AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Well, I was going to say this week's first session was just kind of meh. I think it was actually way more than just kind of meh, like way meh. But I begin today's conversation hopeful there is some kind of good news that I might just have overlooked among all of that carnage. Live! Well, okay, okay. Carnage oversells it via Farm Journal broadcast. This is AgriTalk. This afternoon, I'll begin with a conversation with Joe Lardy from CHS Hedging, later Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com, and directly following the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm your outstanding, phenomenal guest host this afternoon, Davis Michelson, your pal here behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk in Chip's stead. Chip is traveling southward toward the city of Kansas, the majestic fountain city here in uh, Northeast Missouri, and uh, I don't know, we uh, he's headed down here for Top Producer Summit. It's a whole thing. Farm Journal does it every year, and it's quite the swing in time. Uh, lots of stuff, lots going on there. We're going to hear from him uh, tomorrow morning beginning, and he'll have coverage directly from the uh, the facility right there. And, you know, who knows what's, what's going to come out, but we're, we'll be talking with actual producers who actually produce things, uh, we'll be talking with retailers. We'll be talking with industry people. We'll be talking with analysts. I mean, what are you, what are you looking for? Because chances are we've probably got it coming up in the next couple of days here. Uh, and so I'm holding down the fourth this afternoon. It's going to be a great conversation with Joe Lardy. And I'm, I'm going to start him off. We've, we've had a conversation, Joe and I have, about, uh, you know, we've game planned this thing just a little bit. Um, if I'm looking at today's quote screen, I mean, okay, carnage. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if carnage is the right word. I mean, corn is down mostly fractionally, although the DS the DS twenty four corn contract is up a penny today. Good, good work, December corn. Um, it looks like soybeans are up a little over a nickel, but but I've got meal and oil higher on the day. I feel like that wants to tell us something. I'm just not sure what it is. Maybe Joe knows what it is. Uh, and then, of course, your wheat complex, complex lower across the board. All of them around eight, nine uh, cents lower in the wheats. And then over in the, uh, in the livestocks, lower fat cattle, lower feeder cattle, lower lean hog futures. Milk is higher. And then over to the Dow. We're looking for that rollover. When does money move out of the, of the equities and back into the commodity space? Well, you would think that a lower that lower prints in the stock market would indicate that uh, we're lower today in the Dow and the S and P, uh, slightly higher in the Nasdaq here. Um, Carrie wants to talk about some some stock market stuff toward the end of the show in Seg Four, so you want to stick around through that. And I'm sure that Joe may have some thoughts as well. Our guest Joe Lardy from CHS Hedging today, and then of course uh, Jack Scoville. If uh, if I can ever get through all of this news, let's begin here. Wheat futures succumbed to follow-through selling as looming overhead resistance and U.S. dollar strength continued to plague the complex. 
USDA reported wheat export inspections of 266,000 metric tons during the weekend of Feb 1. That's down from the previous week and near the low end of pre-report trade estimates. Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan will reportedly discuss a new mechanism to allow Ukrainian grain exports through the Black Sea with his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin during an upcoming visit. March HRWD wheat futures were 11 cents lower today at 614. March SRWD wheat slipped 9 and one half cents to 590 and one quarter. March spring wheat closed at 692. That's down seven and three quarter cents. Um, all sorts of creativity being exerted on the shipping industry these days. I wonder what uh, Turkish President Erdogan has come up with here as a new mechanism to allow Ukrainian grain exports through the Black Sea. Be interesting if, if anything comes out of that. Well, corn futures worked higher late in the session after faltering at midday only to reverse again. USDA reported daily corn sales of 155,000 metric tons for delivery to Mexico during the 23-24 marketing year. USDA reported corn export inspections of 624,000 metric tons during the weekend at Feb 1. Those were down from the previous week and below the range of pre-report estimates. World Weather Inc. reports crop stress in Argentina has risen enough to threaten production potential, and some yield loss may be happening in the driest areas. However, rainfall may increase in southwest areas late this week, with greater amounts slowly advancing northeast. March corn futures were unchanged today at 4.42 and three quarters. May corn declined one quarter of one cent to 4.53 and a quarter. July corn futures closed at 4.62, down one half of one cent. Soybean futures worked higher on strength spanning the entire soy complex. Brazil's soybean harvest advanced to 16% complete as of last Thursday. This according to AgroRal. That would be the second fastest pace behind 19% on that date in 2018-19. Hot, dry weather in southern areas of the country pose a threat to later maturing soybeans, and if they persist, could lead to further production cuts. The USDA reported soybean export inspections, 1.43 million metric tons during the week February 1, which were up from the previous week and above expectations. March beans gained 7 and 3 quarter cents to 11.96 and a quarter. May beans added six and a half cents to 12.04 and three quarters. July soybeans closed at 12.14 and one quarter. That's up six today. March cotton was seven points lower, 87.04. On your livestocks after a choppy start to the week, cattle futures ended the session under pressure as technical factors enticed mild profit taking to start the week. Beef packers actively raised cash cattle bids last week and bought a lot of cattle. Cash sources expect firmer cash prices ahead again this week later on in the week. April live cattle one dollar forty cents lower today one eighty two thirty five March feeder futures two bucks five cents lower two forty two seventy five hog futures moderately to sharply lower amid a corrective pullback April hogs a buck sixty two lower seventy four forty the June contract declined a buck forty five to close at ninety six oh five let me bring in Jack Scoville from the price futures group Jack uh, from the price action in the wheat the corn and the soybeans it almost feels like the market was paying attention to these export inspections today. What do you got for us, Jack? Well, a little bit they were. Uh, there's some other things going on. The dollar was higher, so I kept, okay. think that kept uh, corn and beans from doing even a little bit more damage to the upside, and it certainly didn't help the wheat uh, at all. Uh, and then um, prices, uh, world wheat prices are weaker here. Uh, 
in part, I suppose, due to the higher dollar, but certainly they're weaker anyway. So that was a, kind of a drag on the wheat market as well. So, and I think also we're still kind of paying attention to what's going on down in South America with the weather. Uh, we are harvesting beans in, in central and northern Brazil, but there's still southern Brazil and, and Argentina. And there is still damage that can be done. So uh, we're keeping we're still keeping a pretty close eye on the weather in those areas. How concerned are we with today's performance in the livestock? I mean, the cattle and the hogs really, to me, just look ugly today. Yeah, that was very disappointing. Uh, I, I don't think I'm all that worried about the cattle. I, I think cattle's entering a corrective phase and probably nothing more. Uh, the drop will probably be limited over there because fundamentally cattle has um, still has some tremendous upside unless uh, people just stop eating beef, which they haven't so far. Yeah. Um, the hogs may be a little bit more concerning, I think. Um, the, the hogs just really, every time they try and go higher, they run into problems. Yeah, yeah. every time they try to run higher, they run into problems. Jack Scoville, we'll, we'll check in on him again next week. We appreciate you, buddy. That's Jack Scoville from, from the Price. <laughs> Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm your pal, Davis Michelson. I've got Joe Lardy from CHS Hedging coming up next. Um, I do want to ask him, are there wins in the market today that I'm not necessarily seeing? But then, I mean, we need to talk about the WASD. We need to talk about South America. We need to talk about shorts. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalk. And welcome to AgriTalk, everybody. It's your pal, Davis Michelson, here in for Chip. Chip's on the road. Uh, hey, if you're listening, drive safely there, buddy. Um, you know, enjoy yourself. Really nice day for a drive if you got your got your sunglasses. He's probably heading down the road right now, headed for TPS, the top producer summit in Kansas City, USA. Uh, kicks off just, I think, I think the, yeah, the registration desk opens in like an hour. So uh, it's almost time. It's a big week. In the meantime, 
I've got Joe Lardy from CHS Hedging. Joe, welcome to AgriTalk. Thanks for being on with us uh, this afternoon. I appreciate you taking the time, dude. Uh, no problem at all. Enjoy uh, being on the program. So thanks Great. for having me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, Joe, I'm desperately looking for, I don't know if we need something positive to come out of today's market action at all. Uh, it does feel fairly negative for me outside of the soybean complex. Um, are there are there wins in today's market action that I'm just unable to detect somehow, Joe? Well, you know, I think we've punished the soybean market a substantial amount, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we, we've certainly seen a, a very ugly looking chart, but there's, you know, there's been pretty good reasons for it. And, you know, today is today. I don't think there's anything uh, that has fundamentally shifted right. that's causing the bean complex to rally just on its own merit today. And I think we're going to need something from the government, either with the WASDE report coming up this week or something coming out of the uh, Ag Outlook Forum the following week to really kind of turn this boat around a little bit and give us something positive um, on the fundamental side of things. Yeah. Uh, Jack Scoville went to the dollar and I and I think, uh, you know, his side eye is well placed there. Um, if if we're going to to blame pressure in corn and wheat, at least partially on a higher dollar, um, did soybeans respond to that higher dollar, but it was just muted um, or did did it not respond at all? What's your thought there? Uh, I don't think it responds at all. So I'm one of the analysts that falls into the camp of day-to-day uh, -day changes in the dollar really mm -hmm. shouldn't have any impact on commodity prices, right? So when uh, when international buyers are talking to the U.S. and and uh, you know talking to the various trade desks that I've worked with over the years, you know, never once has a trader said, "Oh, well, they decided." you know, to buy or not to buy because of the change in the dollar, right? You know, right. it's kind of like one of those staple essentials. If they need the product, they're going to buy the product and then they're just going to go out into the, you know, into the currency market and, and transact their hedges um, in that regard. So I tend to discount that uh, a yeah. little bit more in terms of that being a big influence in, you know, in the day-to-day -day, uh, swings of the markets. That's a that's a really great perspective there, and and really, just on the dollar it, itself. I mean, if you if you take it and apply that sort of same idea to just about anything, whether it's an export sales report, whether it's a daily sale, whether it's a you know a pipeline explosion, whatever it is, uh, I I do agree, man. We got to be careful what we what we hang our hats on here in these markets because because the volatility will just make us crazy. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, we, we've gone to the point of uh, of seeing really big moves in volatility and then the markets die out and then there's a new catalyst. And I think these markets have been really dynamic and, um, you know, well, especially with where we are now on kind of the lower uh, end of the price spectrum, I think it's got to change people's perspectives a little bit on how they look ahead with these markets and what is their marketing plan going to be and what is their strategy going to be because you know 16 17 dollar beans and yeah. six seven dollar corn i think it gives you a lot more leeway 
But when you're sitting here with a sub $5 corn market and a bean market bordering, you know, plus or minus $12, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot tougher decisions to be made here. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, you know, you know, if I'm looking though, I look out to the DS 24. I mean, the, the December corn contract is up a whole penny. I mean, I guess there's something. Something oh, we can yeah. call. Something oh, going to win here a little bit. Let's start cashing checks. <laughs> Come right? on. Get me down to the car dealer. I need a Woo. new truck. So Dinner's on me, baby. You bet. Uh, well, okay. And so we've, we've got um, WASDE report coming up. Is it Thursday, right? Um, yes. Out of USDA. And um, I... We should talk about that. What what will you be looking for? Let's let's just begin here. Generally, what will you be looking for in there? What's you know what are among some of the most important benchmarks that you'll be keeping an eye on? I think the one thing that the market's going to key off of more so than anything is going to be the South American numbers. Um, when we look at what uh, the U.S. numbers, all the analysts that have submitted their guesses, myself included. We're not really looking for any change. And if you get a change, it should be something really, really, really small. You know, something that's not going to turn these markets um, upside down, right? And, and typically, February, the February WASDE just isn't that report to give us that big, you know, market moving catalyst. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, really the area of focus really is South America. And we've seen, um, you know, we've seen the Brazilian product production come down. At the same time, we have seen small but uh, incremental gains coming out of Argentina. So what we've seen so far is a few down from Brazil get just a touch back from Argentina. So overall, that impact has been a little bit muted. But what what becomes interesting is where all the private forecasters um, or farm groups and what have you down in Brazil um, they're looking at a range of production down there that goes from 140 million tons. And I've seen some estimates up at 160 million tons. So wow. that's the kind of catalyst, you know, if the numbers are truly down in the low 140s, okay, mm-hmm. that's now we're taking, you know, the USDA is at 157 for Brazil beans. You know, you take 10 to 15 million more tons off, okay. Now there's some opportunity, you know, U.S. can potentially step back in to potentially fill that void. But, um, you know, with a range of estimates that wide, it, it it's really hard to handicap the market to, to yeah. know who's right. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and any I feel like any now you you were you were talking about and I believe correctly. So, you know, that if they need the product, they're whoever it is, they quote unquote are going yep. to are going to buy it. But I do also feel like if we're going to see uh, a production decline or or some sort of production quote unquote problem down there in South America, it's going to take a minute for that export demand to find its way back to the U.S. No, um, it depends how quick that the USDA and CONAB, who's the Brazilian yeah. equivalent of the USDA, kind of recognizes that. And we've seen the declines come off in you know two and three million ton um, uh, pieces. But we're here at 157. What if the USDA gives us a 150 or 148? That's material enough, I think, to change things pretty quickly. If we see a couple million tons come out of Brazil and maybe one get added back to um, increased in Argentina, all of a sudden it just doesn't feel like that's a really 
big market moving event. Yeah. And so I think the, 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 the kind of the, the timing and, and the aggressiveness of the USDA is going to be key um, on whether those opportunities open up. And I think what we have to do, too, is kind of look at world prices and, you know, where does Brazil compare to our price? And right now, you know, Brazil beans are, are cheap. So if you take something out of the cheapest player, well, then maybe the opportunity for the U.S. comes up. But, you know, if you take something off the U.S. crop, Brazil mm -hmm. is still plentiful and cheap. Yeah. You know, opportunity lost. Well, and and when you talk about Conab, I mean, and USDA getting a little bit more aggressive. USDA isn't going to get more aggressive than than Conab, are they? It's kind of been something no. we've been watching. They don't want to push below that Conab number. Correct. The USDA, historically, when we look at world numbers, has always been very reactionary. And we always uh, tend to lean towards the the agricultural body of that uh, country to lead the way. And then yeah. the USDA just kind of follows suit. And I mean, even when we've had the U.S. ag attache as some of these various countries say, hey, the crop is, you know, materially bigger, materially smaller, the USDA has still taken a pretty conservative approach to get to that final number. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that we have to consider is the USDA just raised last year's Brazilian crop. And so all of a sudden, there's been a couple million more tons. Again, not a huge number, but it's another 2 million ton cushion that was just found in Brazil. And that's actually stuff in the bin that can be moved out in, into the export corridor. So, um, you know, it's hard to know what to do with this Brazilian crop. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe, when we come back, I do want to I do want to stay in South America and talk just a little bit about farmer selling. When you talk about sure. dropping the bin down there and moving it out there, that can be that can be a story in its own. Uh, we've got Joe Lardy from CHS Hedging. We're we're gonna uh, pick it up in in South America with the farmer selling, and then bring that right here to some friendly shores in the U.S. on AgriTalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where March hard red winter wheat futures were 11 cents lower at 614. March SRW wheat slipped nine and one half cents to 590 and one quarter. March corn futures unchanged, 442 and three quarters. May corn off one quarter of one cent to 453 and one quarter. March soybeans up seven and three quarter cents today, 1196 and one quarter. May beans added six and one half cents to twelve oh four and three quarters. March cotton was seven points lower, eighty seven oh four at the close. On your livestocks, April fat cattle a buck forty lower, one eighty two thirty five. March feeder futures two dollars five cents lower, two forty two seventy five. And April lean hog futures one dollar sixty two cents lower at seventy four forty. Get more market news every market day. Go to tryprofarmer.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal Davis Michelson here with you on your, uh, what is it, Monday afternoon. Monday afternoon. Uh, Chip is on the road in case you weren't listening to the first half of the show. He's on his way to KC. Uh, he'll be, uh, he'll be coming to you live from, uh, from the top producer summit right here in the city of Fountains, USA, uh, all early this week. Looking forward to finding out, uh, you know, who turns up for the deal and what, whatnot. I hope you'll be there as well. Uh, my, my guest this afternoon, Joe Lardy from CHS Hedging. Uh, Joe, we, we wound up in South America via the WASD. I had asked you, you know, what, where, where, where are you going to be looking in these, in the uh, in the numbers here, and you went to South America. The numbers there, the Brazilian numbers down. RG is up a bit. Who even knows where it's all going to wash out? Um, let's talk a little bit about where some of that South American product is placed right now. Farmer selling is it where it needs to be? Is the grain where it needs to be in South America, Joe? Farmer selling has been really slow. Um, mm-hmm. Not not an all time record slow, but boy, it's, it's close. And what, you know, it's, it's a combo platter for the folks down in Brazil. So not only are they looking at, you know, world prices and, you know, the Chicago board of trade prices, Mm -hmm. but they also um, have to deal with their currency. And when their currency devalues, they actually get paid more, right? So a year ago, they were getting uh, 5.3 real for everything that they sold today, that number is under five. Mm. And so sometimes it's almost more important to the Brazilian farmer to watch the currency. But right now they're kind of getting a double whammy as they've seen, you know, futures prices come down substantially. They've also seen their currency come down. So the Brazilian farmer right now is just not incentivized whatsoever to, 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 to move that product. Mm-hmm. And I think that would that could be a pretty important input if this market somehow starts to gain some traction. I think we're going to see not only uh, farmers selling from the Brazilians, but additionally from the U.S. farmer as well, just looking for better prices. So um, I think rallies are going to be met with some selling, both uh, both internationally and domestically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Let's let's do come back to to sort of some some strategies here because what you're talking about 
when you say you know rallies need to be sold, uh, let's reward these rallies in these markets and and what have you. That does sound to me like a market of opportunity. We've heard from a number of folks that we've had on the show the last week and a half or so. It does seem to be a lot of people talking about protect the downside, leave your upside open just in case one of these markets wants to run on us. Um, would you would you favor something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it it's been interesting. I've been out on the road a little bit, just talking to some producers, and mm -hmm. I, I I found it. I always find it somewhat interesting how people look at their marketing and how many people have a concrete plan yeah. and how many people are just kind of doing the hope and wish and I want this market to go here kind of method. Uh -huh. And when you're in a, you know, a pretty challenging price environment like we're in right now, I think really having a plan and sharpening your pencil and factoring in maybe some hidden costs that you hadn't thought of before is going to be really important, um, you know, to the financial health of everybody out there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it's kind of like setting off on a uh, on a destination or a, on a journey without having your destination in mind. Well, I mean, I'm on the road, right? So I'm fine. Yeah, but, yeah, okay. all things are good. But you know, one of the things uh, we did a just a a little math example to to try to illustrate this to folks. We're seeing. Um, interest costs are going to be substantially higher just with, you know, the, the rising interest rate um, environment that we've been in. And let's just say somebody's got an $800 per acre operating line and interest rates have gone from 4.9 to about 8.5% mm -hmm. for, for generally the typical farmer. In dollars per acre, their interest cost just the line item for interest costs on their operating line is going to go from $29 an acre up to $50 an acre. So a $21 wow. an acre increase on something, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. I think we're, we're concerned with, you know, what are my fertilizer prices? What are my input prices and seed and, and yeah. all that other stuff. And here's just a variable absolutely kind of outside of anybody's control, but you know, bottom line is that's a pretty material jump that's going to have to be made up somewhere else. Somewhere, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's going to be a real interesting conversation that's going to be had with bankers this year as we kind of get into that spring season here. Um, yeah, I, I think some balance sheets are going to be a little bit stretched uh, yeah. just from interest costs alone. For sure, for sure. Well, you know, and we... For me, it does sort of feel like if we're going to be in, you know, downtrending markets here, at least for a little bit, or or muted markets, I guess maybe would be better. Um, geez, to to have that floating around out there and and just sort of nebulous and ambiguous is, is it it's a recipe for disaster. Um, so let's so let's talk about uh, farmer selling here in the U.S. Um, is, has anyone? Where are we at? Where are we at at this point? Any idea? <laughs> well, I think the farmer does remain a little bit undersold. And I think they're hanging on to product in the bin just because prices, I I think there's probably been a lot of back trading or I would have, should have, could have yeah. when prices were a little bit higher. And, you know, I don't know if people saw this, this sharp of a decline coming. Well, here we are. And now prices, you know, frankly, for a lot of people are just ugly. So mm -hmm. 
why sell now is kind of been the been the attitude in a yeah. I, I think there is, you know, some time and you know, hopefully uh for those that need to make some sales, they can get a market rally to to reward them. But um, you know, this 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 could be a tough environment, you know, as we look ahead to yeah. the to the egg forum coming up. Mm-hmm. We're going to get some uh, ideas of what uh, the government thinks uh, an early look uh, for planted acres could be this year. Mm-hmm. And kind of based on all the chatter that's going on, it looks like we're going to plant a decent amount of both corn and beans. Yep. And therefore, when we look at the balance sheets um, going forward for next year, boy, they certainly, they're feeling heavy. And mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. can change. Mother Nature can play a significant role in that. But well, right now on paper, things are looking well supplied. Well, and, and add to that near record short positions uh, from the from the specs. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we've seen 11 weeks straight of oh. selling in the bean market. 11. That's, I mean, that's pretty substantial. And, you know, it's hard to say when they're going to decide to stop that activity, but boy, they've certainly built up a nice little cushion and it doesn't, you know, there's no reason that they have to cover anytime Mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. We've seen them drag on a short position for, for a long time. Well, absolutely. Um, And really, I don't, if we're talking about, okay, commodities versus equities trade, suddenly, uh, the Dow, the S and P, the Nasdaq—they don't really look all that attractive to me either, dude. I, I don't know. I don't know where the money goes from here. Yeah, that's going to be—it's going to be interesting uh, when we look at the outside markets. That's—that's that's another thing that I'm almost looking more as a risk to this market with with all the equity markets at all-time highs. Mm-hmm. You know, what if there's a correction there? Because anytime we've seen these big corrections, it just becomes more of a risk-off environment. And, you know, will that punish commodities even further if people decide it's going to be a risk-off situation? Because I track, not only do I look at the spec positions, but I also look at the index category, which kind of looks at our commodity markets like an asset class, right? They're not looking at the fundamentals. It's just they're looking at commodities like they would a stock or a bond or any other investment opportunity, we've started to see that um, that gradual and steady decline from that segment as well. And it has me a little bit worried if um, if we do see a setback on the equity side of things, um, if we're going to continue to see even more of a risk-off environment um, from that index category. Yeah, yeah. Um, boy, we're going to run out of time here real quick, Joe. Um, how do we how do we get in touch with you if our listeners want more? Um, they can uh, just hit up anybody here at CHS Hedging, and we'll be happy to uh, have a fun conversation with them. Ah, yes, outstanding. Um, I've I've really enjoyed our conversation here today. Real quick, um, help the farmers orient themselves. Where should they be thinking? What what should their eyes be on here? Give me about thirty seconds. I think their eyes really should be uh, focused on their marketing plan and where the where the opportunities, if the market gives it to them, where are they going to, you know, put that plan into place? 
because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's going to be opportunities. These markets are going to bounce higher. It's just a matter of, okay, what's going to be a good sale opportunity for them? Because longer term, my outlook is uh, more bearish than bullish. So it's time yeah. to uh, 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 gather in some gains. Time to do something. Circle up the wagons. Know your you numbers. Bet. You know, that's. I think that's going to be the key is getting some math done here ahead of uh, these opportunities. I agree with you, Joe. Um, we're going to have to get in and and get our stuff taken care of when the market gives us the chance. Joe Lardy from CHS Hedging, a great conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. You bet. Anytime. Right on, right on. Joe Lardy from CHS Hedging. Uh, coming around the bend here, I've got Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com. Uh, I'm going to see if I can pull him into this conversation about the equities, too. He's usually here and then gone pretty quick. Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Producer Harrison is in for Big Apple Joe Stackler today. Uh, and Harrison, I'm, I'm afraid you were wrong. I've got all sorts of time. In fact, I've got seven minutes and 50 seconds to opine on the meaning of this selfie that I was just sent from our own beloved host, Chip Flory. Uh, he is on the road, apparently. Uh, clearly, his assistant took this picture. Um, and I'm looking out the windows trying to figure out where he... I've got it. He's about 10 miles south of the Iowa border, is what it looks like to me. Um, hey, buddy. Yeah. He, I can't tell if he looks happy or not. He looks happy on the inside, maybe. That's what it is. That's what it is. You're our pal, Davis Michelson. He's coming down here to KC for a thing. Um, we'll have him back tomorrow morning with some exciting guests. And speaking of exciting guests... I've got Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com. And, hey, don't forget, you can go to ArtakAdvisory.com. That's A-R-T-A-C, Advisory.com. Get yourself a two-week free trial. Mention AgriTalk, and uh, Kerry will get you fixed up. In the meantime, Kerry, um, welcome to AgriTalk, buddy. It's Monday. Let's, Thanks, uh, Davis. Can we talk about soy meal for a moment? We sure can. March contract. Uh, we've been testing long-term support, targeted long-term support for the last couple of months. 
that this week is at 350.6. That is a descending four-year channel bottom that can contain selling into spring, uh, possibly even into summer trade. From here, I could see over the next three to five months, perhaps, a bullish rotation back into the 460s, as high as the 460s, perhaps. That's 468 even. That is the four-year channel top that is dropping at a very slight pace, as is 350.6 four-year channel support. So from here, uh, the path of least resistance is up. Uh, 397.4, I think, is in reach, perhaps by the end of March, where we could top out on a weekly, possibly monthly basis. The signal for reaching 397.4 sooner than later would be a settlement this week above 370.4. So closing above 370.4, good February low, 397.4, then expected within just about two to three weeks where we could top out well into March trade. And 397.4 is the indication for me that, yes, indeed, within about two to three months, we should reach that 468 even level where we could top out into summer activity. Now, if we close the week below 350.6, that long-term support, our next long-term support threshold that's even more significant than 350.6 is 323.8. I would expect that in about two to three months. And 323.8 is an eight-year channel bottom that may well contain selling through all of 24. Wow. On to March cotton. We've had a buy signal for the last three or four weeks in cotton that remains intact above 81.15. We are now approaching our target at 88.36. We closed today at 87.04. So 87.36 is a significant price ceiling that may well contain buying through the rest of winter, let's say through March trade. And from there, the market could rotate back into the lower 80s again within a month or two, 81.15. We could trade inside 81.15, 88.36 for the next two to three months, perhaps. If we do close the week Friday above 88.36, that sets off another show of strength. And over the next couple of months, I would expect 95.74 which is a significant one-year channel top that can absorb buying into later year. And if we were to close above 95.74 in the broader cotton market, that would be a significant buy signal into later year, but we're nowhere near that right now. As I said, holding below 88.36 allows 81.15 by the end of March, where we could bottom out on a monthly basis. And it would be a settlement below 81.15 that would tell me we've got a good high into later year. I would expect then 75.79 as we move into summer trade. Uh, and finally, the S&P 500 index, uh, the stock market has a bearing on commodities, of course, and vice versa. But really, it is the stock market that has a bearing on commodity markets, especially in a bear market. We're not in that right now, but we are testing a 16-month channel top this week at 49.74, 49.45 last in the S&P 500 index. This we've been testing now for the last couple of weeks. And if we can close above 49.74 at the end of the week, that sets off a significant buy signal into later year. I would expect 58.74 by the end of the year. That is a four-year channel top that can contain annual buying pressures. But until then, as we test 49.74, this market can grow tired as we move into the second quarter fall back perhaps over the next three to five months to 43.50, which is the 16-year uh, or the 16-month channel bottom to the 49.74 16-month channel top. The signal, the clear signal for 43.50 would be a settlement over the next couple of weeks, but below, below 
48.13. So we could trade inside of 48.13 to 49.74 all the way through the rest of February. And if we close below 48.13, that is a go with sell signal. I would recommend liquidating your stock portfolios for about two or three months because I do see this market then falling to 43.50 within two to three months of closing below 48.13. And uh, I hope that uh, said it all there, Davis. I think that's really all I have to say. Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can draw just a little bit more out here. I mean, I'm fascinated. A big topic of conversation for me inside of my head has been that that bounce back between the equities and the commodities. But I'm here to tell you, neither of the if we take them as two, you know, the equities. I don't know. I feel like we're overdone here. Commodities. I don't feel like there's any there's anything super exciting in here to the upside. Where does safe money go, Kerry? Well, a good question. Um, you know, <laughs> interest rates are higher, so you you can get some return on your yields. I yeah. do think forty nine seventy four is the is the big level. Uh, I think if we close okay. above forty nine seventy four, uh, you're going to see a significant rally. The stock market is just going to increasingly vertical and accelerated to the upside as we move into later year. But this is the price point now where we could fall away into summer. So yeah. I, I don't think I answered your question at all. Where do you put your nope. money? Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, you did. Just. For me, I'm just going to leave it where it is and look away. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Davis. Gary Artek, ArtekAdvisory.com. Don't forget to swing over there. A-R-T-A-C-Advisory.com is where you go to get a two-week uh, two free trial of Kerry's services there. Hey, tell them AgriTalk sent you, won't you? The National Weather Service 6-10 to 10 day weather outlook. This is updated as of today, February 5. This gets us out. February 11th all the way out past Valentine's Day. We're out to the 15th now. Mixed bag. We're above normal temperatures for the western chunk of the United States. Over into the Great Lakes, we're going to see the hottest weather over there, or at least the greatest chances for above normal temperatures. Uh, opposite down there, to call it the Four Corners region in that uh, Arizona, Colorado sort of area, below normal temperatures. Precipitation. Uh, largely meh over most of the country, near normal over the Corn Belt. We're going to call it above normal between here and California, and then below normal uh, over near California. The uh, 8 to 14 day below normal temperatures uh, take up more and more of the map. Tomorrow morning, we're going to have Chip Flory live from the Top Producer Summit in gorgeous Kansas City, Missouri. I'm your pal, Davis Michelson. Thanks for tuning in. AgriTalk.